Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. Today, I have a very special guest for you, Tom Reber. Tom is an entrepreneur, business coach, podcaster, founder of The Contractor Fight and Shinfu Sales Mastermind, and also HGTV host. And he's just released his new book called Winning the Contractor Fight. Yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation with Tom. We've talked a number of times on different podcasts over the years. He's also right next door to me in Manitou. But funnily enough, we never get together here in Colorado. It always seems like it's somewhere else at an event. But yeah, this is a great conversation. Tom shares some good um, tactics and just some insights over the past 18 months. And then really what winning the contractor fight is all about. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hey, Tom, welcome back to the show. Spencer, what's up, buddy? Good to see you. Good to see you too. It's funny. I was thinking about this podcast. I'm like, you know, Tom and I have met in person once in where we live once. And that was like eight years ago or 10 years ago. And then the rest of the time is at events or on Zoom, even though we're probably like 10 minutes from each other. 10 minutes from... Yeah. So I popped into your office one day. It was 2015 because that's when I moved to Colorado Springs. Okay. So I exaggerated. It was six years ago. All right. (laughs) Close enough, man. Yeah. And uh, what's 700 days? Yeah, exactly. Um, But we met that time. And then... And it was funny. I think I went to visit you guys because I was on your website and I could tell that you had a HubSpot website. And I was like, oh, these guys are into content. You know, the whole Marcus Sheridan thing and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, well, if there's somebody like that around here, I got to know who they are. And, and then I think the next time I saw you in person was in Portland. Yeah. JLC live or whatever it was out there. So, yeah. And that was maybe two or three years ago or whatever it was. That so. was a winner of of 19. Yeah. So two, two years yeah, ago. Because it was right, right before the whole Rona thing. Yeah. Because we had, that was when we had our last Nashville event for, my, for the fight was 2019 December. And it was the week before that in Portland. That's, how, that's the only reason I know the year. Yeah. Ago. Yeah. Well, and, and as far as I can tell, the only reason we don't like ever meet up for lunch or coffee or whatever is because you're so busy, like, you know, writing books and getting on, you know, shows and recording content that it's like, we can't even find stuff. Oh, stop it. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> oh man, I know this year's been, you've got a lot of cool stuff going on this year. What, what have you been up to? Oh dude, it's, it's been crazy, man. I think we hired six, seven people in the last year, whether coaches or support in the company. We've, well, so, you know, I filmed that show and I finished it early in the first quarter. I started it about a year ago. We finished in the first quarter, a bunch of home improvement projects, wrote a book, put out a big event in Denver that had about 350 contractors at it, planning a couple more events right now. Yeah. Just, you know, sent, sent our, my, fiance and I, we have five kids between us. So the oldest one just went off to college and 
my our youngest two youngest one just got her driver's license the other one's about to i mean dude it's just life is a mile a second here man it's crazy but it's all good it's yeah it's all fun stuff good stuff you know fun and none of this you know i was reflecting on this the other day i went for a walk and i'm like man not one of these things happens without my team because i'm I'm my own biggest enemy. So I'm so grateful, so grateful for my team and, you know, just how they take what they do so seriously. Like that's my big gratitude moment here of the days. Every now and then I just, I'm blown away. And I know you can say the same thing because your business is, you know, just kicking total butt. You guys do everything at such a high level. And I I know it doesn't happen alone, you know, with our people. We get stuck real fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that that's cool, and and it's it's kind of been fascinating to watch. You know, over the last you know couple of years, I feel like you hear a couple of sides of the coin, which is like adversity hit last year, a lot of unknowns, a lot of unpredictability, and and I feel like the result of that is either you kind of like spiral downward from that, and you're like, uh oh, and you kind of get stuck in the like we don't know what's in front of us, or you tackle it head on. You're like, I don't know what's going on, but we're just going to keep charging forward. And it feels like that's what you've done. And I know, you know, we see that in the the contractor space too. You know, yeah. people that just they were prepared, or even if they weren't, and they're just like, we're just going after it, and then vice versa. So I'm curious just to hear anecdotally, you you talk to lots and lots of contractors. What's your like sentiment of what's going on now? You know that we're close to the end of 2021. Mm-hmm. How have people been tackling this, approaching this? Are people in a good spot, a bad spot? You know, what are you what are you hearing? Yeah, well, it's real simple. The ones that have been working on themselves and paying attention to, you know, they look in the mirror, they own their craft, they develop as a leader, they're crushing it right now. And yeah, they're still struggling finding a team and building a team and all that other stuff. But pretty much it has been even before all the stuff in the world the last couple of years. You know, the trades has been hard for people to fill spots and for many reasons. But, you know, I think right now, if you're remotely paying attention to your business as a contractor, you're doing really well right now. So that's that's the big thing. I think the other thing you talked about the adversity last year and stuff. One of the lessons I learned in the 08 recession was looking back, I think I shrunk back a little mm. during that time. And I played it a little too safe. I played a little much too much defense. There's a lot of reasons for that, all my issues. But the way I've been looking at things now is when you know things were shut down early 2020 and all that was happening, I just kind of drew from that experience. And I said, this is when the tendency of most people, anytime there's adversity, the inflation, the economy, you know, whatever's going on, you know this, you've been around enough to see this. The natural reaction is for people to shrink back, play it safe, hold their cards close to their chest. And we've done the opposite in the fight. We've gone, you know, man, we only have one gas pedal. God, I wish we had two gas pedals, right? <laughs> so I would encourage people, you know, with inflation and economy and whatever is happening that you would consider adversity right now in the world, man, double down, go on the attack because most are going to shrink back. And this is when you can really gain some ground. I had a, I had a buddy I knew years ago during that last recession, he dang near tripled the size of his painting company, be, you know, through uh, acquisitions, mm. you know, like nice. yeah. a lot of guys were shrinking. And so he went from six or 7 million to 
close to 20 million within a year and a half because he just stepped on the gas. So yeah, I think it's a great time to be a contractor, even with everything going on, because you can really differentiate right now too. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There's an, and that's a great example of like thinking outside the box. Maybe you haven't thought about acquisition, but it's like, Hey, there's people that are scared and they're shrinking back. And like, that could be a perfect opportunity to acquire and then step on the gas with those operations. But you only think that way if you're thinking forward and aggressive. Well, Um, there, there was a, there's another guy in the painting industry right around the same time. My numbers are close here. It was a long time ago, but I want to say there was a competitor in town of his that had been in business 40, 50 years. And the owner was just tired, you know, and then the recession hit and he's like, ah, whatever. And um, they didn't have like a CRM or anything, but they had all these banker boxes of files and stuff. <laughs> and I, I want to say the guy I know approached this guy because he heard he wanted out. And he says, hey, what do you want for your database? And he goes, well, I don't really have one. He says, I just have these banker boxes of 40, 50 years. And I think he bought them for 15, 20,000 bucks. <laughs> I like he literally bought that and he hired a bunch of temp data entry people to come in and they went through every one of these things, put all the emails and they, over the next year, they blitzed it with phone calls, emails, direct mail, just every, anything they could and turned that those bankers boxes into like a million and a half in revenue within a year. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was a really cool way to approach it and, and be on the attack. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I love that mentality. And, and we're going to dive into you know, the, the fight and you know, the book that you wrote. There's a couple of things in there that I want to drill into. But before we get to this, this is more of a selfish question, but hopefully the, the listeners will get some some uh, value out of it too. You mentioned inflation when you mentioned like the challenges and I'm mm-hmm. like hyper paying attention to all this stuff cuz I I've gone down the crypto rabbit hole. I'm an investor in some real estate and so inflation is something that I pay attention to and I'm curious I'll just leave it open ended. What do you see in there and like just general thoughts and then maybe for business owners things that you know we should really have on our like close radar and things that we're thinking about. Yeah. Well, what I'm seeing is a lot of people getting worked up when they don't have control about over any of that. So that that's the first thing. And I think that's just that mindset of choosing not to be a victim. Again, you, you and I've seen enough things in the world and markets and this and that. I mean, I'm far from an economist, but I just I know enough to know that in every economy, people are crushing it. They're making money. Things are going well. But it's those who choose to not play the victim card and blame the economy or you know the lack of employees or whatever it is for all their issues. And so that's the first thing that comes to mind with the inflation stuff. And the second thing is you know a lot of guys I saw this earlier this year when the lumber prices went way up, contractors made that their problem. It's not your problem. It's the it's your customer's problem. And so I think that again back to that mindset of you're here to deliver a, a service and a product and whatever it is, and you're here to understand somebody's motives of wanting to do the project, you sell them the project. And it costs what it costs. I mean, yeah, it's on a larger scale, but you know, you don't you don't go to the grocery store, you know, and I don't even know what a gallon of milk was a month ago and what it is now, but let's say it was four bucks and now it's 10 bucks. I don't know, right? People still pay the 10 bucks. They still buy the milk. You, you know, and so people will always spend the money on the things that are important to them. And again, I understand we're talking way bigger dollar amounts here, 
But I would encourage people, don't make inflation and all that other stuff your issue. You just, you do you. You focus on your mindset, adding value, building your brand, pricing your work, you know, for you to make a great profit and to deliver a great experience and the right people will gladly pay for it. I mean, I'm doing things right now around the house and we're buying things and have been all year and we'll are continuing to do so because we want it. Mm-hmm. And so the right people will always have the money and they'll always find the money. Yeah. I didn't know where you're going to go with that answer, but I love it because yeah, it's, it's not your problem, right? It's just, Hey, yeah. this is, this is what's going on in the market. And you know, that's what it costs. And you're going to pay me for my service and you're going to pay for the supplies. You know? So however yeah, you end up pricing and packaging, but it's like, that's what it is. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways. I mean, I remember um, back in, I don't know why we keep bringing up the 08 recession, but the 08 recession, I was doing everything I could to keep my profit margins up at 50%. And, and uh, still, I was still in my head, by the way, I wasn't where I am now mentally. But like I was still trying to stay somewhat competitive, which now I don't care about being competitive. I just get better as a marketer and a salesperson. But so we got creative, and I know not every industry could do this. But like for paint projects, we basically just bid labor only and just handed the people the receipt and had them call it into the paint store, and they paid for it. And the paint store was happy because they normally gave us a thirty percent discount. They gave the customer ten or fifteen, and they made more. And I was happy because the money wasn't rolling through my my books, and our GP was through the roof, you know, because it was labor only, and we were happy, and there was a way through it. So, but the decision. It all starts with that decision that I'm going to be profitable. I'm not going to be a victim. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I feel like uh, it's a good segue into, you know, I want to get into a couple of the chapters of the book. But first, I guess, why did you even write the book? You know? Well, as we talked before you hit record, it took me a long time to write it because I had a lot of head trash. I had a lot of negative self-talk about whether I was going to write something that people would like. Of course, you've written a book and you know that. Like You put yourself out there. And we do on a podcast and a blog and stuff. But when you put your name on a book and it's <laughs> all over the place on Amazon and stuff, I don't know. It was just... I don't know why it was such a pain for me, but I was, I was being a little wuss about it for a while. And then uh, my fiance put her boot up my tail and said, you need to write the damn book and you got like two weeks to get it done or I'm going to you know, cut your face off or whatever she said. I don't know. (laughs) Pretty motivating. Yeah, Yeah, it was. But but she was right. I just needed to attack it. And so, but I wrote it because all the things in the book are things that I share from the stage when I speak live or I do workshops for people. And pretty much 100% of the time when I get done, whether it's keynote, breakout, workshop, whatever, I have several grown men come up to me many times with tears in their eyes and they're like, man, I thought I was the only one that had this crap going on in my head. Because I talk a lot about the mind and how we win the war between our ears, which is the contractor fight. It's the six inches between our ears. And so, you know, we talk about owning your crap and getting oxygen. I talked about how I was in special ed and rode the short bus and many stories throughout the book of how I sabotaged my own life with friendly fire and my own businesses and lessons I've learned. So that's ultimately why I wrote it because I kept getting feedback about, you know, and I'm like, well, how, how can I get this out to more people and, and help one more guy, you know, just understand that he's not alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause you know that, you know, if it, if it touches one more person, it impacts their business, mm-hmm. all their employees, all their customers, like the ripple effect is really, 
really strong there. Um, so the book is called Winning the Contractor Fight. I feel like you you breezed over there. Like, what is the fight? You said it's is the fight just in your head? Is that the whole fight, or what are we trying to win? Yeah, when we when we started the contractor fight, that was the whole goal. Is that I believe that most of us don't succeed at the levels that we're born to because we're in our head and we have our limiting beliefs, our negative self-talk and, um, and those things hold us back and they limit our success. And so uh, I've just seen it over and over in my life. I've seen it in thousands of lives of people that we've coached through the years here in the fight that when you win that battle between the ears, everything else is easier. I mean, dude, I grew up where we'd hear things like Reber's never make any money. Reber's have gambling problems and have debt. And like that was what was put into my brain. And that's what I truly believed. And now, you know, I've been attacking this hard for well over a decade, this mindset thing. And now I'm for the last few years now, I'm like, I've totally flipped it. I'm like, man, making money is a piece of cake. It's simple. You just got to change your thoughts and that changes your beliefs. We call it T-bar. You change your thoughts, your beliefs change, your actions will then follow your beliefs and then you'll get the results you want. So that's the fight. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, gosh, I want to, there's a lot of questions I want to ask. So, you know, if somebody's sitting there and they feel like that, man, they're really in the fight, maybe they're in, in debt, you know, they've got a bunch of problems in their business, you know, costs are going up, all, you know, whatever it is, supply chain issues. You know, I hear you saying like, yeah, I've been working on this for a long time, like the mental part of it and making money is easy. I can imagine somebody listening and they're not making money and they're going, well, I don't think so. Like, easy what's for the, you to say, right? Yeah, easy yeah. for you to say, but but like just to get tactical, I guess. What does that person do to like start that journey towards developing that mindset or getting to a spot where you're in, where you're going? Yeah, I, I was there, and and then I started doing these things. Like, what were some of those things? Yeah. Well, right out of the gate, it's you got to own your crap. You got to look in the mirror and go, "How did we get here?" And this isn't a time to beat yourself up, right? So think of think of like an athlete, like you're a cornerback, you play for you know whatever your favorite team is, you get beat deep on a on a go on a route, and they score a touchdown. You come off the sideline, and today in the NFL and stuff, they got their little iPads or the little Surface Pros or whatever they're called, right? And you're they're looking at the play, and right then and there, the coach is going. Hey, listen, look, your foot position was wrong at the snap of the ball and you opened your hips the wrong way. That's the problem. That's why you got beat by half a step. Okay. So now you know what it is, right? It's so it's, again, it's not to like flog somebody over their mistakes. It's just go, where have I gone wrong? Acknowledge it and then make that choice to turn it around and whatever it is in your life or business. So that's, that's number one. Number two, Depending on the situation, I'm thinking of a couple people right now. So we, at our event in Denver, we gave a couple awards out called the Freedom Award. These are guys that paid off literally hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt within a year, 18 months, 20 months. Um, I'm talking like half a million in debt and they forex their personal income at the same awesome. time. Like, think about that, right? And these are like businesses that are 2 million and under. So that's not like they're these gargantuan companies. When I look at them... A couple a guy named James and a guy named Micah, and they own their crap. They committed to getting oxygen, meaning I got to make sure that me and mine are taken care of so that I can be better for everything else. They had hard conversations with vendors and people they owed money to and whatever it was, and then they made the commitment to stop the bleeding, right? Mm-hmm. And then this is usually the one that gets the most pushback from the contractor crowd, but I'll say it anyway. 
is they committed to never doing a project ever again that wasn't at least a 50% gross profit because they're like, I'm going to do less projects, add more value, profit higher from it, you know, all along with creating a plan to pay stuff off and not go further into the hole and all that. So tactically, you know, that's, that's really, those were really the steps. And then I would say with that, it's really easy to, to like throw that plan out there, put it on paper, but then you have to live it. And one of the questions that, that I've asked myself that, um, that we've taught others to ask is you picture that someday that you want out in the future and then just build the habit of many times a day asking yourself, what does that future require of me right now? And if you could keep that front and center, then you'll be more consistent. You'll be more disciplined doing things and being what you need to be in order to achieve that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Cause it's, you're only going to get there if you start taking the actions like the person that's already there. Yep. hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> so you mentioned getting oxygen and kind of taking care of yourself so that you can be better for others. I'm, I'm a big believer in that concept, I guess. Expand on that a little bit. Is that time-wise? Is that like physically, mentally? How are you taking care of yourself there? Yeah, all the above, right? It's first, it's understanding that it's not selfish. You know, there what's the there's an old saying, the king eats first, right? And there's a reason the king eats first. So because he's got a kingdom to take care of. And so a lot of people are like, that's selfish. And now I don't want to confuse this with like when I was in the Marine Corps, you were taught leaders eat last. Okay. But the point here is, is you have to do what you need to do to be as strong as you can so that you can deliver for the people that you care about. So if you're not taking your, care of yourself mentally, getting enough rest, taking care of your body, you're struggling with your relationships at home with your significant other you don't have enough money in your bank account. It's like, I always visualize this. It's like when I'm feeling, it's like I have an air hose going to my brain and like somebody's pinching it. You know, I'm just, I can still function, but I'm not going to be my best. You know, it's, it's crazy, man. When I look back over the success of the fight the last few years, so much of the success is the result of me working harder on my mind, my body, and my relationship. Hmm. And then you can actually go way back to my profit and loss sheets and look at my sales in relation to when I started making those commitments to really work on those areas of my life. Sales instantly went up. Isn't that wild? Yeah, it's so crazy. I didn't focus on the business. I focused on me and my relationships. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, in during that window, what about your time investment into the business? Was it similar, more or less? About the same, maybe even less. Yeah. Yeah. Pro- it, it, for now, for sure, it's less. A couple, three years ago, it was about the same because when I was showing up, I was better. Yeah. I was on another show earlier today and we talked about um, the old business coach, Dan Sullivan. Mm. And, you know, he talks about free focus and buffer days. You ever heard his thing on that? And like literally, he takes 120, 130 days a year off to recharge himself. And so he's more effective, more productive, more efficient on the days that he shows up. 
Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. I feel like I'm still working on that. It's very counterintuitive. A small example in my own journey, I mean, when I first had kids, I drew my lines in the sand like to limit my working days, at least the hours. And I found that those constraints forced me to spend that time more effectively mm-hmm. and better. And I just made another shift where I'm committing one day of my normal work week. So Fridays, I'm spending with the boys. And so I'm going, I actually think this will better our customers, the business, everything, because it forces, it like adds that constraint and if you improve those other areas, like you said, yeah, you tend to level up in a lot of them. So, well, the business is only going to be as strong as we are, mm-hmm. you know. And you being a great spouse and a great parent and a great friend and taking care of your body, these are all things you need, and they make you a better person. There's an old quote. I should look up the name of the guy because I share the thing all the time. I think his last name's Dyson. He was an old CEO of Coke million years ago, 10 years ago. I have no idea when. Uh, I just remember seeing this quote. And he talked about your juggling all these balls in life. You have your life, your marriage, your kids, your business, your health, blah, blah, blah. Uh, However many you got. He says, all of the balls are made of glass, except your career and business. That one will always bounce back. And so that has always stuck with me. I haven't always lived it because uh, I have heard the quote a thousand years ago, but I really took it to heart over these past few years going, if something's going to suffer, it's actually going to be my business, not those other things to the mm-hmm. best of my ability. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Because you'll always you'll find a way or you can find another path or something, but it's hard to find another relationship or spouse or well, kids. Especially or... now, man, you find a job in a heartbeat today. So oh, man. there's tons of those opportunities out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially in construction. There you go. <laughs> we, got, we got plenty of those jobs. So yep. one of your chapters in the book is called uh, Multiply Benjamins. So as you can see, I picked that one out because it's, it's fun and money related, which I'm sure a lot of people are focused on. Yeah. I guess then that comes after these first couple of things we talked about. You know, you got to own your crap and getting oxygen. What's that all about? The multiplying Benjamins. Yeah. So, you know, it's sexy in any business. We want to scale the business. We want to scale the business. You know, I talked to a guy, I think I put it in the book where he wanted to build like a $5 million company and we got to the why and it's because he wanted to pay himself 250 
And then I took it deeper. I'm like, well, why do you want to pay yourself $250? And we got to the real heart of it. So a lot of times we set these goals to scale thinking it's going to give us the thing we really want. Where, I mean, dude, I know guys that have a million and a half dollar business that pay themselves six, seven hundred grand a year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know a guy just under 400 a year and he takes several days a year off and has short work weeks, has a helper, and he goes fishing all the time. And so he has the life that he wants. So this chapter is really just about being clear on what you want to scale. And before you scale your business, make sure you're not scaling a turd. You know, let's be as profitable as we can. Let's have the quality of life and the culture and all those things that we want. You're, you know this, you're, especially in construction, you're rarely ever going to scale yourself into profitability because you're just going to take a bunch of those bad habits with you. So that's the first thing is scaling the Benjamins. And then later in the book, I said, once you figure out how to do that, then you can scale the Clevelands because those are the $1,000 bills, man. That's what we want to scale. So, <laughs> there we go. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. But yeah, this is really just the, the whole mindset of just be really... You, know, you could scale your time off. You could scale your profit. And yeah, I get it. Top line has to be a certain amount to have a certain bottom line. You know, But I've just seen... I've made the mistake personally. I've seen so many people get so caught up on top line revenue that they just end up creating a bigger hamster wheel for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that because it's funny, I, you know, on calls with, with these guys a lot and uh, gosh, it's almost to a T, but er, like mm. everyone wants to double. They want to go from two and a half to five or they want to go from three to six or five to 10 or whatever it is. They're like, yeah, I want to double in the next couple of years. And to your point, you kind of ask those couple of whys but if you just think about like for you, that may make sense, but it may not. Like, why, why do you want to double? And if you double what you have, will that actually get you what you want? Right. <laughs> will it just double the problems and the chaos and everything? Or is it actually doubling a good thing? Um, well, it's asking yourself better questions too. You know, I think those are, as the older I get, I learn to ask different questions. And so sometimes with my right-hand guy, Neil, in, in the fight, when we're setting goals and stuff... He'll switch it up on me. So let's just take this doubling the business thing. We would get to the point where we go, well, why do we want to double? And you know, let's let's just say we want to pay ourselves more, just to keep the the thing simple, right? He'll throw a curveball at me. Then he says, okay, so how else could we pay ourselves that amount of money if doubling the business were not an option? Nice. Like it's just a, it's a different question that gets your brain moving. Keith Cunningham wrote a book called The Road Less Stupid. He's Tony Robbins' like right-hand business coach guy. And he spends, I think, a couple times a week, one hour at least, but an hour straight, he sits in the same chair with the same tablet, notepad, and a pen, no technology for one hour. And he writes a question at the top of the page every time he does this. And for one hour, he answers that question on that piece of paper. Like he spends mm. a ton of time he calls it his thinking time, you know, and he says that's been the biggest game changer for for him as a business owner. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, changing the mindset, right? Like, there's multiple paths to get to that destination. Yeah, I like it. Here's a question for you. Yeah, right? so we we asked a client. Hey, hey I'm the host one, here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, man, but here <laughs> no, I asked one it. of my clients. I'm just trying to give examples to people. No, no, I love like, it. One, one of my stuff. one of my coaches asked somebody on a call. How would you double your business if you could only use your past customer database? Mm. 
Okay. And it just gets the wheels turning. And within the next few months, it's, he didn't like double his business, but he added a ton more of profit and repeat business because it just put his awareness on that. There was a guy that broke his back who was a roofer back in the Chicago land area years ago. I call this the broke back business philosophy. <laughs> anyway, um, he literally broke his back and it was like a, call it a $3 million, $4 million roofing company. Within two years, they were like at 10 because he had he couldn't leave his bed for almost a year. So he had to figure out how to operate under these new circumstances. So I've actually, the broke back thing, obviously a play on things, is I will challenge guys from time to time. I want you for the next week to pretend that under doctor's orders, you are not allowed to leave your house and go into the field. How would you run your business? Yeah. I, yeah. I love it. Both of these are great examples and they're also examples of constraints. And I feel like constraints actually add creativity. And I think most times people think you add constraints that limits you, but it, to your point, it forces you to, to really dive into that scenario and you get numerous ideas out of that with the limitation angle. And then it suddenly tends to, yeah, well, in these two examples tend, tended to work out pretty well. And yeah. Well, you know, you, your brain can figure stuff out and it doesn't just have to be your brain, it can be your team too. Get your team together and ask these questions. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if we weren't able to run another ad, I don't, you don't want to hear this, but you know, if if we weren't able to spend any more money on marketing for the rest of the year, right? (laughs) How would we grow our business? You know, what would that look like? And again, I, I think when everybody in our company can have those creative juices flowing, they're bringing something to the table, you're going to get some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't ask about labor during this time and uh, yeah. talk to you about that. <laughs> uh, seems to be a sore spot whenever I bring that up. But uh, yeah, I guess I don't want to do the the same old, you know, like, hey, everyone's sh- short on labor, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, uh, but I guess I, I'm curious, like, what would be some questions that you would ask yourself in, in light of thinking about like asking better questions? to maybe unlock some solutions around labor? Well, let me go back to how I believe a team is built. Sure. Is, is you build your brand. I, I, don't, I don't think it's any more complicated that you build your brand and then you create the culture that you want. So the question for me would be, how can we... I love when you put me on the spot. This is good. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, no, like seriously, there's no talking point here that I have on my notes, right? So... Off the script. Off the script. And I don't have a script, by the way. Um, Makes you look extra prepared. <laughs> yeah. This could be this could be a question like, what type of culture would make us a magnet to the A players that already work for other companies? It's a really if, good question. If yep. if ads were not an option, if job boards were not an option, if blah blah blah, what would make us attractive to the people we would want working here that are dissatisfied at other places? Like that to me, that just gets the ball rolling as type of a question. Yeah. Um, and and it's funny you mentioned, you know, a couple of those questions just instantly triggered the kind of aha moments we've had in the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, like you guys, we've hired uh, more people in the last 18 months than I don't know, for us, we had hired in the last few years. But one of the aha moments was some, you know, most of our best employees come from employee referrals. Mm-hmm. So, but your question was, what if we 
had to grow our team without job boards or anything. It's like, well, that would be one of the potential solutions. Um, and it also relates to culture. Well, if we like yeah. these people, we probably like people that they hang out with are probably generally in line with our culture too. And so, yeah, those, those questions tend to lead you to, yeah, yeah. people that you want on your team. So I don't know if you know him. Uh, do you know Heiner Outdoor Living, Matt Heiner? You know, it's funny. I just got introduced to him on Facebook Messenger. I haven't met him, but somebody okay. told me about him. They're like, "Oh, I know you and uh, Tom. You're you're up in uh, Colorado." Yeah. So yeah, so he's here in the Springs, and he's you know he's been a client of ours, and we're good buddies. He just did my backyard. He's getting ready to do my front yard. Do phenomenal work. Matt's one of those guys who has grown his team by building his brand. So. 2018-ish, right in there, early 2018, late 2017, he made the commitment that he was going to really go all in and build in his brand. And he chose the platform on of Instagram. And he's got two channels. And I encourage people to check this out. This is what I mean by build your brand and it's attractive. He's got Heiner Outdoor Living. And then he's got his own personal, which is called The Yardist. That's his mm. personal brand. And the Yardist has got, I don't know, 65, 70,000 followers or whatever. And Heiner's got 10 or 20, somewhere in there. I don't know. And they do both. What you see on the Yardist is he will share a picture, obviously, of a gorgeous yard or something they're working on. But then he tells a story. Like one of the stories on one of his posts, like here's this gorgeous backyard. And then he's like, so I picked my son up today from football practice or whatever. And I could tell something was wrong. Make a long story short. You got to go read the thing. Uh, his son was bullied at practice because he couldn't catch the ball. And then that reminded Matt of when he was younger and he was bullied and what somebody said to him and this and that. He told this story and then he tied it into how this relates to one of their company values. Mm. Okay. And he does a masterful job at building his brand like this and sharing their values without going, our values are A, B, and C, right? So, dude, what's funny is not only is he doing well over, he shared this at my event, so I can share it out. He's well over a $3 million company. He's like 3.5 or whatever. Like a million three is from Instagram alone. Okay? Just from that. But even crazier, I want to say out of the last like eight employees they've hired, five or six found him on Instagram and moved here from out of state because they wanted to be part of the culture here. And these are the guys that built my project in my backyard and they were phenomenal. And dude, it was crazy because they were here. They relocated. They wanted to be here. They had such a passion for what they're doing. And it's because Matt made that choice to plant his flag and say, I'm going to build my brand. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be raw. I'm going to be relevant. I'm going to tell stories and I'm going to be consistent. So when I say that's how you build an attractive culture, that's what I'm talking about. You build your brand. Yeah, I love that. And and for those of you listening too, like I hope that you hit pause and really think about that right there because I think that's a good example of like that's a clear way to start solving the problem that you're facing. Uh it also probably sounds like a lot of work and it is and it's effort, but it's it's one of the most critical pieces of your company, you know, in attracting, you know, labor and it doesn't appear that that challenge is going to be disappearing overnight. So yeah, I well, love especially that in the trades, man, you know, most guys are into the craft. They're not into being leaders and investing in themselves. And then they, they create these cultures where people aren't very satisfied and they're only staying because they need the job and they're good people that want a future and stuff. And so this is where 
again, you have an edge on your competitors. Even all the things that you've been talking about for years, man, about creating content and being the go-to expert and these things. And somebody goes to Google and types something in about your industry, you got to be standing there. You know, that's building your brand. That's being the expert. That's positioning yourself. And it is, it, it's playing the long game, man. You got to play the long game with building your team and your business. It's not a quick fix. It never will be. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that leads me into something I want to ask you about on, under the marketing bucket. So obviously we talk a lot about marketing here, but I feel like there's like marketing and lead gen, and then there's, there's brand. And especially when we talk about content marketing, that's a blend, right? Like the content that you put out is going to generate leads, but it's also one of those things that's kind of that long game. It's evergreen. You know, when you think about, you know, contractors or just when you think about marketing in general, how do you think about the split between those, you know, kind of the the short game and the long game and kind of that that mix between the two? I think it's kind of an evolution of your business. I think when you start, when I started, I was handing out 50 business cards a day, knocking doors, prospecting, cold emailing people, joining networking groups. It was very high friction. And I think that's where most of us start when we start a business. It's that hustle and grind phase. It's building relationships in your local area. It could, you know, it could be everything from, you know, hey, I'm going to run some Google ads or whatever. Like you're just throwing stuff out there and you're trying to get a lead today. <laughs> yep. For me and those that we've worked with that I could look at and see the evolution, those that commit to being the expert that we talk about, about educating people, positioning yourself as the go-to. The more of that you do, the more leads today show up because it's a compound effect. So I think over time, you can get away from a lot of that other stuff. I still think that should be part of it. Okay. To be honest, I just think that's always good to have those habits to be aggressive like that. But I've just, I see the longer somebody has been really working to create good content, position themselves, be the expert the less they're worried about the phone ringing today because now stuff's just landing on you. Like here in the fight, dude, we've done over 400 something podcasts. If you add our sales training one, it's well over 500. If you look at our videos, it's well over 300, thousands of social media posts. Then you throw all the shows I've been guests on. All these things have compounded over the last several years to where I do, my company does very little like hunting for customers because they just come to us. And I just, I wish I could get that through to everybody that this is, the time's ticking by anyway in your business. So you might as well make investments that are going to pay off 5, 10, 15 years down the road. So that's what I see. I see the hustle and grind stage. Then I think you hit this stage where let's just call it, I don't know what to call it. You could probably come up with something better, but like you're branded, you're known Mm -hmm. for something. You have a reputation in the community. You, you're not a stranger anymore. You've, you don't have to prove yourself as much in the sense of being the new guy. I don't know if that even remotely answered your question or not, but that's just how I see it as a, like, it's an evolution. It's like a toddler and then you're an adult. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to summarize, it's like at the beginning, you're kind of doing whatever it takes. You know, you're doing the hustle activities. But if you don't start the brand building, like mm-hmm. content pieces, then you'll actually you tend to never get to that point where maybe you can ease off of some of those other things that are very time intensive and you know aggressive and obviously your take is like that should still be a mix cuz 
you know, it's kind of a mentality thing, but it's interesting as you we were talking. I mean, I fully agree because I've just experienced it so many times now. And once you experience it for yourself, you're like, okay, this makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. you know, do it. But the other part of it is it it almost works in duality, like you said, with you know, the artist, you know, and he like it's working to attract customers, but it's also working to attract team members. And that's becoming a little more effortless on his part. Like he exactly. maybe didn't have to go spend a bunch of money or hire a recruiter or post it to a bunch of job boards and take in a bunch of resumes. Like mm-hmm. he shortcutted that process because these people reached out or, or whatever the case was, the scenario. But you, you're getting that inbound flow of candidates too. And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he'll go in his Instagram story every now and then. He's like, Hey, in the next 24 hours, I'm going to interview three people for a new foreman job in Colorado Springs. DM me if you're interested. And boom, it'll just like... Awesome. <laughs> puts a little <laughs> scarcity in there and stuff. Yeah. No, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm not saying he never runs an ad or things like that, but you know, it's just most of the people that he hires now come from his social media presence. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Now that's... Hopefully that inspires some, some action. Because it, it, when you first start, you're just looking down miles of blank space, you know, and it, and it feels intimidating. And the first video is always awkward and like all, all that stuff. So you definitely have to move through the, the beginning stage. <laughs> well, it's, you know, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, second best times today. So yep. if you're listening to this, you have never done any content, just make a non-negotiable commitment that I'm going to create one piece of content a week whether it's a blog or a video, and then repurpose it. If you make a video, turn it into a blog. If you've tried a blog, make it into a video. Just start. Like, let's not even overthink this stuff, man. Like, I and I know there's there's formulas to certain things and this, that, but I, I just think so many times people get hung up on how to do it instead of just pulling the trigger and adjust fire along the way, you know? And and I'll learn, I'll get better, but and you only get better if you're consistent. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Well, Tom, I got a few more questions for you, but uh, before we get to those, where can people grab the book or connect with you? What's the best place to go? It'll be on Amazon, uh, winning the contractor fight, or if you guys want it for free, just pay postage and handling. You go to thecontractorfight.com forward slash book. Sweet. Easy enough. There you go. Link it up in the show notes too. Um, Might as well get it for free. Uh, So head over there. Yeah. (laughs) All right, uh, Tom, maybe what's some like final parting words of wisdom, but I'll put some constraints on it based on uh, like things, feedback that you heard at your last event. I'm trying to pick like a time in proximity. Like what are you hearing that's like boots on the ground? And then what's some words of wisdom based on that? So we intentionally went into that event in Denver and it was called the Mile High Profit Summit. And it was about profiting in every area of your life. So a lot of the content speakers sessions were not just business stuff. It was your health, your mentality, your mindset, your relationships. We had a husband wife panel um, that was a riot. And we had mics set up in the aisles. And after most sessions or a few times a day, we would ask for people to come up and share their takeaways. I'm going to have to work really hard in my head right now over three days to think of one or two people that got up and gave a business takeaway. Hmm. That's really what I would guess. I, one of the things I would leave with people is the importance of the other 
parts of your life than just your business. It's really, man, you, dude, I'm, I'm competitive. I want to win. I want to build my empire you know, and all that with my business. But I'm just blown away in a good way and reminded of how important it is to take care of the other things. Because again, at the end of the day, this is just a business. It's just a career. You could get a new one. And so I would encourage people to... Uh, and most of the people that were sharing their biggest takeaways, they were about how they felt they were blowing it with their spouse, hmm. not being what they yeah. needed to be. Whether it was a man or a woman, they were up there sharing about, I've been giving her my scraps or vice versa, and or I've been too hard on him. And you know, there was a husband-wife team that got up there and she was like, having been here and had conversations, heard some of the sessions, meeting some other people... Now I have a better idea what he deals with out in the field all week. And I see how I put a lot of undue pressure on him. That's unfair and this and that. And this was good. So I just think I'm kind of on a mission right now to to help people that are couples to really make sure that that is the priority. So don't don't blow off your family for this stuff. Ain't worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. All right, Tom. Well, we, we always end with the fast five. So I'm going to hit you with five rapid fire questions oh, and we'll, no. we'll wrap it, it up. Yeah. Out of these, man. All right. <laughs> Sorry. That's what editing's for, you know? So. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite business book and why? Mine. Easy. <laughs> Done. Because <laughs> I wrote it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, actually, I'll give you a second favorite though. It's, a new, it's new to me. It's a leadership book called Uncommon Leadership by Ben Newman. Cool. All right. Most inspirational person in your life? My queen, my fiance, Lee. Yeah. She's, right on. She makes me feel taller. I'm 5'10". I'm 6'6", when I'm around her. That's awesome. I love it. All right, Tom, if you could have one superpower, what would that be? Mm, on-demand mind reading. So there I wouldn't want to read minds. We had this... Con- <laughs> so I ask dad questions at the dinner table. I always ask a question at dinner and they all roll their eyes. But we, I literally asked if you could have a superpower the other night. And I said, my mind reading. And then somebody says, oh, no, because then you would hear everyone's thoughts all the time. And then I switched it to on-demand mind reading. That is the best uh, variant on that one. I've never had somebody add that. They always... Mind reading comes up, but not on-demand mind reading. Either that or being an invisible. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) All right. uh, Describe yourself in three words. Oh, boy. Passionate. Disciplined and happy. Right on. Final question. Just final advice for our listeners. Be picky who you're hanging out with. There's a reason our moms told us, choose your friends wisely. And, uh, and I, can, I can say easily that I can reverse engineer, or, or what is it? Success leaves clues. When I look back over the past decade and a half or so, and the trajectory that I've been on and my business has been on, it goes hand in hand with changing who I hung out with. Yeah, awesome. Well, good advice. And uh, Tom, thanks so much for joining me today. Appreciate you having me, man. Have a great day. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.